Hey, Open Door and other friends who might not identify as Open Door folks. Either way, we're excited that you get to hear um, our sermon from last week. This is with uh, a friend, Jane Larson. Jane um, has been a part of the Open Door for a number of years, works at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and does a bunch of different vocational things, and that's why she's preaching on vocation this week. Um, This was actually last Sunday. I'm a little late in getting it out, but wait no longer um, because I finally have it ready. Here it is uh, from last Sunday, Jane Larson. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. So the scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? for his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through the region, and he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Over the last two weeks in this sermon series, Dave and Scott have preached about the beginning and the end. Dave talked about humanity's role as people created good and in the image of God, and that we have a role to play in midwifing good things into this world. And Scott talked about the end and how all of creation will be strengthened and healed and restored in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. 
So we know where we're coming from and we know where we're going. We know the promises that have been made to us. Promises of freedom and liberation, healing and wholeness. But what about our role in this time when we're going to work, when we're somewhere between creation and redemption, when we're grinding away in this already, but not yet. In this messy middle ground, I think we're called to trust the process, listening to the spirit and taking the next faithful step, meaning to continue to trust the promises of where we've come from and continuing to rely on the promises of where we are going. But trusting the process, listening to the spirit and taking the next faithful step, this is really hard. It's Monday, July 13th, 2020. My partner Will and I are closing on a house in Highland Park, something we never dreamed would be possible. But when you have money saved up for a canceled wedding celebration and friends of friends need to sell a house and they say they are willing to pay your closing costs, and you're living in a second floor, one bedroom apartment during a pandemic, and you feel like the floor above you and the floor below you, below you are closing in, and there are not enough windows in the world to provide fresh air. That's it. You're doing it. You are buying the house in Highland Park. And then, two days later, it's Wednesday morning. You receive an email. You have a meeting scheduled at 4.30 p.m. with the president of the seminary and the vice president, dean of faculty. Undisclosed topic, 30-minute meeting. You look at your supervisor's calendar and she has her own 30-minute meeting scheduled just a few hours earlier. You start to panic. Being the administrative assistant to the registrar and the administrative assistant to the church planting initiative does not normally get you personal face time with a president and a VP. You become a bit neurotic during the day and you search everyone's Outlook calendar. 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. What is happening? You don't run away and you are still trapped in your second floor apartment and you don't know where to go. And you find yourself in that stage of the pandemic where we're not sure if it's okay to not wear masks outside and not wanting to be judged by your neighbors, you decide it's just easier to sit there and wait it out. It feels like an eternity. But 4.30 p.m. eventually rolls around and everything after that feels like a dream. You are told the seminary is going through a restructuring and your position has been eliminated. During a pandemic, after you closed on a house 48 hours earlier. Your words escape you. You have definitely disassociated from your body at this point. And you muster a faint and robotic thank you. Because even though you don't know what to say, you have been taught your whole life to be kind, polite, submissive, and grateful in the process. The Zoom call ends. Your brain repeats it over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Did you really just tell them thank you for letting them know you lost your job? Voices resound from all over. Trust the process. 
God's got you. Other opportunities will open up. You are so gifted and clearly called. A few weeks pass, and you are offered a position in the business office. Do you really want to go back to the seminary? Could it really be that bad? A job is a job, right? They have good benefits. Maybe you could do that for a time. It will lead to a better job at the seminary. That is a responsible thing to do. I mean, you just bought a house. You need a job. You can pretend to be an accountant for a while. Oh, they will also want you to work in communications and the doctor of ministry program with your so-called extra hours. Sure, you can do that. Soon after this whole ordeal, people began to joke that I worked in so many departments in the seminary, I could be a seminary president one day. I wasn't able to say thank you this time. I learned that I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I politely and inauthentically said the words thank you in this moment. After staring at them blankly for a moment or two, I would ask, I'm just curious. How does one get from part-time temporary accounts payable and housing assistant, part-time putting together the celebrations magazine, and part-time entering inquiries into a learning management system to one seminary president? They would laugh, but I really wanted to know. Not because I had any calling to actually become a seminary president, but I wanted them to see the gap between this part-time wandering in the business office in the promised land of seminary president. Couldn't they see the gap between my current situation and what would need to happen for that to be true? Both to my frustration and my relief, I have found something of a vocation in this trying time between promises. As a seminary community has processed the collective trauma of the restructuring, as my friends and loved ones who have struggled with job loss and transitions, and really all of the changes of this pandemic, I have found a sense of what I'm called to do in work and in my life outside of work. Thanks be to God. For the last two years, as a community, we struggled together in discerning our next faithful steps. We kept asking questions that we didn't already have the answers to. We were open to God doing something new because we needed God to be doing something new. We continued to ask each other, where have you felt closest and furthest away from your callings in the last month? We listened and we paid attention. And along the way, we began to notice what the Spirit was up to in our individual lives, in our individual vocations, seemed to be what the Spirit was doing in our shared life together. Something new might be possible. We kept asking bold questions, and we, reflect, and we continued to pull on loose threads to see where they might lead. As we listened and we reflected together, and we opened up space for communal discernment, my own vocation became more clear, more broad, and more resilient. When we turn to the book of Acts, we see the apostles on the journey of their own. Philip, in particular, is on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
He has been commissioned to go care for the Jews in the diaspora, for the widows and those in need, to trust in the process of what God is doing while the wounds of the exile and displacement are still fresh. The temple is gone and the church is disoriented and scattered. And yet, Philip responds to the call to go as a deacon, to respond to the needs of the people, to go on the wilderness road with a faint idea of what this whole thing is about, but not really knowing what will happen next. He responds in faith and takes a step out onto the road. And it is on this disorienting wilderness road Philip is prompted and caught up in the work of the Spirit to go and catch up with the chariot and join it. Who is inside? An Ethiopian eunuch reading the words of the prophet Isaiah, who invites Philip to join. And Philip responds by taking a seat in the chariot. They pass by water along the road, and the Ethiopian eunuch asks a bold question. What is preventing me from being baptized? They go down to the water, a baptism takes place, and when they come up from the water together in this ritual of belonging, the Spirit of the Lord snatches forth away. In the story, you see Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch taking faithful step after faithful step. They continue to be open and attentive to the movement of the Spirit in the invitations of others in this strange time and place. We see that God has come precisely to both of them along the road. To the Ethiopian eunuch, a person originating from a distant land on the edge of the world known by Philip, a person who has had an otherness imposed upon them by the empire and assigned sex stripped from them, a person who is enslaved and lives alongside power and wealth in service to the queen without any of the privileges that come with such a position. To Philip on the road to Gaza, an apostle from Jerusalem trying to hold on to the temple and the covenant identity when the church has been and is being scattered. When the spirit prompts, they each are invited to take a step into this strange and confusing dance to see what will unfold next. The spirit's continually unfolding along the way is an intimate dance that brings about liberation for both Philip and the Ethiopian. There is new possibility here in this shared intimate space, and this new identity is birthed. A new paradigm is established. Neither Philip or the Ethiopian's identity are erased in the process. Both belong and both are embraced as they are. Neither need to be submissive or polite. No formula needs to be followed. God is doing something beyond the boundaries of the church as it has been. Their vocational identity expands rather than stays confined to the barriers of the structures in place. The Ethiopian continues on rejoicing, and Philip continues on the way witnessing to the, what the Spirit has been up to in these strange times. We, as a church, have been on a journey where we've had to trust the process. Who will we be after going through a pastoral transition in the middle of a pandemic? 
What does it mean for our identity that we have moved buildings and neighborhoods? The gap between the promised future and what stands directly in front of us in this messy world may seem like an expansive canyon, and we may fear we could fall off the edge at any moment. It can feel challenging, exhausting, disorienting, and messy. We desperately want to arrive at a place where we don't have to discern any longer, where we have safety and security. But this is not what it looks like to live in the here and now, in the messy middle. The Christian church has always had to figure out who it will be in the in-between, between the death of Christ and the resurrection, between the resurrection and the ascension, between the ascension and the second coming, if that is still what we are hoping for. Beyond that, this church, the open door, has always committed to the idea that our call is more than what we do for a living. What happens when there was a restructuring and you find yourself thanking the person who fired you? You turn to a community who knows you apart from your paycheck. This church has always called people to figure out how to be neighbors in a time between promises of the past and promises of the future. Here in this time when the fulfillment of the promises is not so clear. When the Spirit tells us to chase after a strange chariot when we're already on the road doing another strange errand. Our vocation is more broad than a one-page job description. And our vocation is more resilient than the building where we worship. We are more than where we have been. And what is possible is outside the scope of what we can imagine, for a new trajectory has indeed been set. As we discover what God is calling us in particular to do in this time and place, it is helpful to remember that God is simultaneously calling us all. We all have a role to play, not just the pastors. So what is my next faithful step is connected to our community's next faithful step. When we lean in, when we listen, when we are attentive to what the Spirit is doing in our lives and in our individual vocations, and respond to the promptings of the Spirit. Moments in life, like the encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian, are possible. Two people from different lands, cultures, social locations, who have their lives broken open with possibility when they come together, even for a moment, to tune in to what the Spirit is doing. We, like the apostles, and like Philip and the Ethiopian, are on the road. I'm grateful the journey continues, and my story did not and will not end in the business office. My story is not over, and neither is the story of the open door. We are on our way in the messy middle, on our way to healing, wholeness, and redemption. Let us lean in and really listen to the Spirit, to be open to the invitations on the edges of our communities. Let us be attentive to uncover what God is up to in our shared life together. For I truly believe that if we trust the process, it could be more beautiful than we ever imagined.
what will be our next faithful step. A special thanks to Jane Larson for preaching at the Open Door last week and making this podcast happen. Hope that you have enjoyed her message. Um, this coming week, you can come <clears throat> Sunday, 10 30 a.m. at the Neighborhood Academy. Join us uh, in person or on Zoom. You can find more out about that at pghopendoor.net. That's our website. Go over there and check it out. <laughs>